Welcome to the Tech Ed Podcast, where we visit with leaders who are shaping, innovating, and disrupting technical education. People who are not afraid to think differently, not afraid to try something new, all with the goal of securing the American dream for the next generation of STEM and workforce talent. Welcome back to the Tech Ed Podcast. I am your host, Matt Kirkner. And as you know, if you listen regularly, we ask a question of every single guest on the Tech Ed Podcast, usually toward the end of the podcast. And that question is, if you had one piece of advice for a high school sophomore, what would that piece of advice be? And we have had some phenomenal answers. I will tell you one of the best answers that I think we've received, and we've actually heard it from a couple different people. The one that sticks in my mind is Robert Cordova, who's the chief technology and strategy officer for the Milwaukee Bucks, who talked about and said how important it was to have a mentor, to have somebody that sets that example that you can follow, that cares about your well-being, that ushers you into something new, talked about the importance of having a mentor. And as we all know, whether we're a high school sophomore, somebody in our 20s, starting a career, maybe making a career change, having a mentor is really, really important. Well, I am going to submit to you today that having a mentor when you're young is as important, but having a mentor when you're a little older can also be really, really important. And I can tell you, as I was moving from the world of manufacturing into education several years ago, I had such a mentor. And that mentor is somebody who is joining us on the Tech Ed Podcast today. From this person, I've learned some amazing things, things like how to build really, really powerful relationships with industrial employers and how to build those relationships by first giving rather than asking. Somebody who taught me how to create something so big that people can't help but be a part of it and follow it. Talked about and taught me the importance of being positive all the time and making sure that everybody in your orbit feels like they're the most important person in the room. Today, I feel like the most important person in the room to welcome to the Tech Ed Podcast, a great mentor of mine, a great friend of the Tech Ed Podcast, Dr. Brian Albrecht, Chief Executive Officer of Gateway Technical College. Brian, thank you for being with us. Matt, thank you. And what an introduction. I absolutely uh, reflect everything you're saying right back to you. I've learned so much from you and uh, the commitment you've made to our teachers and to our communities through the work that you do at Lab Midwest, bringing those partnerships together has been really remarkable and I think um, inspiring for for many of us. So great to be with you again. Yeah, it's great to have you. And I'm proud of those partnerships. And as I suggested in the intro, I learned from the best as you were the chief executive at Gateway Technical College. By the time we air this episode, you will no longer have that title. You will have the word emeritus added to your title at Gateway. How do you feel about that? Well, I tell you, I'm. it's bittersweet, right? I'm so excited about uh, our family's future and what we want to do uh, in this journey called life. But also, I will absolutely miss all of the day-to-day interaction with the colleagues and the community members and the students that we serve here at Gateway. I think anyone in education or maybe even any profession, you sort of build your family around the work that you do. And that's so true for us as well as we've had you know, our own son-in-law graduate from Gateway Technical College. And there's just so many touch points that we've had over these these years at Gateway that I'll never actually officially leave Gateway. I'm going to leave the work of Gateway, but Gateway will always be a part of me. Thank you. Absolutely. You'll always be part of that Gateway family and Gateway will always be, as you suggested, such a huge part of your family. And how can it be any different? 19 years of your career invested leading that great institution and, and what an incredible legacy you're leaving behind. Let's talk about what comes next for Brian Albrecht. I mean, you've been running a million miles an hour for you know your whole career, not just your time at Gateway. And all of a sudden, come January 6th, um, you know, things settle down a little bit for you. What, what's coming next in the world of Brian Albrecht? Yeah, man, it's really uh, ironic how life works, right? I started on January 6th, and I'm going to be leaving on January 5th, which would be the you know the start of a new January 6th day. So it's a pretty amazing experience for me. But there is so much out there, right? One is I want to continue to be an advocate for what we do with youth and children and schools and education in general, um, and more than, than just what we've done here at Gateway and CTE, but just a broad perspective of that education can be the foundation for building a strong life. And if we continue to focus on the role that we each play in helping to deliver upon that, we'll make a difference in the lives of, of youth. And I remember when I started my career now 38 years ago in public education, I I would zero in on our own daughter and try to make her life experience better through all of the 
work we did in the schools, and now it's our grandchildren. So the cycle of life continues to evolve, and I'm so proud of the fact that I get to spend time with you know little Brian and Logan and help them figure out what education is about and what life choices are and how you build upon an education platform to make those a uh, reality for yourself. Um, but we are going to take a little bit of a break for a while. So um, when I finish my daily work here at Gateway and become an emeritus, I will be an advisor for the college and continue to be a strong advocate for the college. But I won't have the day-to-day responsibilities to make sure that we keep our campuses safe and our programs uh, aligned directly with employers, but certainly be a part of a broader discussion around what role technical colleges uh, can play in helping all of our state's communities and build stronger economies. Um, in that process, we're going to take a little trip over to Costa Rica and and uh, do a little relaxing on the beach. That's probably my unwinding time. But I will share with you that uh, I've also continued my commitment to stay close to some of the boards that I serve on. I will remain on the Boy Scouts of America board. I'll stay on the Freighter Hospital board. I'm working heavily with the Coalition for Career Development out of Washington, D.C. I'm very active in the Society for Manufacturing Engineering. Um, So I think there are some touch points that will keep me grounded in the life's work that I did, but also give me a broader exposure to say, how can we continue to collaborate and build even more partnerships across the nation? So it's going to be a a short break, but then I'm sure we'll be right back into it a little bit. Uh, I'm looking forward to however it turns out and whatever path I end up taking. Well, that's music to my ears, Brian. I'll tell you for a couple of reasons. You know, first of all, that you're going to get some time to relax and certainly reflect on this amazing 38 years that you have uh, that you have invested in in public education. What I'm hearing about is that you know you're not just going to fade off onto that great lake up in central Wisconsin and spend time with a with a pole in your hand uh, fishing. I'm sure you're going to do some of that, but you're going to stay stay involved in the education arena in in many different facets. And that's really really it's great for me to hear, and it's great for I think our, our listeners to hear as well. So so I'm just really really tickled that you're not you're not going away. The other key piece to it is that. Um, education is a uniquely positioned industry because there's always a start and stop date, right? So I get to watch our grandchildren now and nieces and nephews and others in our community get excited about the first day of school. And that always brings that energy right back to me. And I'm always thinking about, oh, what could I be doing to help our schools? And I'll just do it differently, more volunteer work and more um, collaborative efforts to try to increase capacity, whether it's through foundation development or whether it's building association networks with our schools. And like you and I have talked many times, the key to success here is the alignment. How do we align the needs of industry with the outcomes of education? And the closer we get the alignment, the more successful that formula is going to be. And then our graduates will be better prepared for the job market, ultimately sustaining their livelihoods even better and creating greater prosperity for them and their families, which makes a solid a family structure in a broader community. So there's just a lot of wins all the way around that. That alignment is so important in so many different arenas, whether it's figuring out how we align industrial employers with education, figuring out how we align different levels of education. You've been such a champion for creating pathways, for creating dual credit opportunities for people and people in high school, creating pathways onto four-year universities and bachelor's degrees for those that want to pursue that pathway rather. So, so many different ways in which you've created alignment. You've also created alignment among states and different different institutions in different states. And that's my way of segueing to your successor who's coming to us from a different state. Dr. Raju uh, in the state of Texas now will be moving here to the, the beautiful Midwest, an interesting time of year to be talking about a move from Texas to the Midwest as we're on the verge of a, a major weather event here and a major snowstorm. But, but tell us a little bit about your successor. What should our audiences, if they've been watching Brian Albrecht's career at Gateway, all the great things that you've done, what should we know about your successor? Yeah, well, I'm very proud, first of all, of our board of trustees who put together a national search. And we had a lot of great candidates that uh, met many of the qualifications, uh, community listening sessions. We were engaged at faculty listening sessions and so on. But Dr. Raju brings a unique perspective to Gateway, not only a geographic representation of what does it look like in a different state, but her passion for community colleges and the investment that she's already made in her own development, whether it's in the manufacturing sector or the work that she's doing currently at Tarrant County Community College, will continue to add value to the role that that we've put in place here at Gateway because we've spent so much energy and effort in building out a new platform for what manufacturing needs to look like to better prepare our graduates. So I think you're not going to miss a beat in all of that. 
I think she also brings a really strong perspective on the role uh, of communities in college environments. So I always say that while our name is Gateway Technical College, we are our community's college. So her perspective of a community college environment will add a greater dimension to the idea of liberal arts pathways, community-based organizations, how do we support equity inclusion for all, and ultimately better student outcomes. So I think there's a real key piece to the puzzle that she will bring. And it's all like the old saying, I'm sure everyone has heard it, you know, the right person at the right place at the right time. And I was fortunate to be at the right place at the right time for Gateway and leverage sort of my own ambitions and my own passions around industry collaboration to build an infrastructure that will sustain over time. And now Dr. Raju will bring in additional capacity and will continue to grow the foundation from there. So I'm very optimistic. It's a simple formula. I learned from uh, my friend Nick Pinchek, the CEO of Snap-on, you know, blue skies and long runways and gateways on a a long runway with a blue sky for a great liftoff here, and we'll continue to grow and expand our services. It's a beautiful picture that you paint there. One of my uh, one of my mantras is when the you know when the student is ready, the teacher shall appear. Perhaps when the institution is ready, the leader shall appear. That certainly was the case in terms of your leadership at Gateway and all the amazing things that you've done. And we expect nothing less from Dr. Raju. I I will um, submit this. I. I'll tell our audience that Gateway had a very extensive search process. Of course, tremendous interest in this uh, in this position, given all of the the great things that you've done there, the incredible support of your community, of your industry, the incredible staff and faculty that that you've managed to assemble. So it's just a great opportunity for anybody to step into a role. Really, really high amount of interest in a highly competitive process. So there were these listening sessions that were every single one of the four finalists. So the the over time the um, the search committee narrowed the group down to four finalists. Dr. Raju, of course, being one of them. And then there were these community listening sessions. So just just to paint the picture, I mean, you would think like a community listening session for a you know, a technical college president, there's going to be some people that are really, really interested, might draw, you know, 40, 50 people. So the, the ones that that I attended, um, we had two sessions, each of which had over a t- over 100 attendees. I think one of them had 220. So just tremendous interest in this individual coming in to lead the institution. And then you had moderators who moderated each of the sessions. And of course, the moderator's job is to make the candidate look really, really, really good. So the moderator for Dr. Raju's session was the host of the Tech Ed podcast, Matt Kirkner, I'm proud to say. And she is just, she was so engaging. She was so down to earth, wonderful personality, phenomenal sense of humor. And I think that the board of trustees made exactly the right choice in selecting her for this position. We're just so excited to see what she does with the institution. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought the process uh, to light because as the old saying goes, it takes a village, right, to educate a youth. It also takes a village to support and sustain leadership in an educational environment. So no one person, not including myself or Dr. Raju, would say we could do this independently. So champions in our community, we're glad that hundreds of people came out for these listening sessions. They have a voice here at Gateway. And to be able to have the sessions moderated by professionals like yourself to really draw some context to the responses and really help the the candidates feel relaxed and at ease because ultimately the success of Gateway is built upon the overall success of the entire community. Uh, It's just a matter of helping to guide the ship. It's like the captain of a ship is, you know, not the one necessarily that's uh, running the engines or rowing the boat, right? They're setting the guidance and the direction. And that's what the president will do is set the direction. And uh, there's a lot of people that are working behind the scenes to keep it moving. Ourselves included are really, really excited to be a part of the future and to, to certainly support Dr. Raju in any and every way we can. So as much as we're, you know, we're, our eyes are filled with tears at the departure of Brian Albrecht, we're uh, certainly optimistic about the future gateway and we know that it'll be in great hands. So I'll tell our audience, you know, a lot of times when we do a, a podcast like this, the guests will say, hey, what's the topic? What kind of questions are you going to ask me? I want to make sure I'm prepared. You know, Brian is a veteran, not just of the Tech Ed podcast, but of the things over and over and over again. And so uh, never did that question come up, never did that request come up. So so Brian has no idea what we're going to ask him about, but but uh, he's obviously polished enough, quick enough, and brilliant enough to do just fine on his feet. I did come up, Brian, with a number of questions that I just want to want to throw at you as, as we're thinking about your legacy at Gateway, as we're thinking about your future and, you know, taking, don't, don't feel like you got to give three minute answers, you know, let's, let's go rapid fire through a group of questions. Um, but the first one I had is this, I mean, the people, if, if you meet Brian Albrecht, you know, right off of the bat 
that this is way more than a career for you. What you've done at Gateway, what you've done throughout your 38-year career is way more than just coming to work, earning a paycheck so that you can build your beautiful house up in Tomahawk, Wisconsin and fade off into the into the sunset. So if you could tell us in a few sentences, Brian, why do you do it? What drives Brian Albrecht to put all the time and all the effort and all the passion into doing what you do? That's a great question. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to answer any question anyone provides, because when you have a level of commitment and desire, um, they shouldn't be planned answers. Right. And I can honestly tell you, Matt, that I think this all stems from my desire to be a teacher. I started out as a high school teacher and a coach, and I was able to watch young people develop and mature, not only in our classroom and move on to college or directly to work. And a lot of those students that I had some 30 plus years ago now are still my friends today. And I get to see the successes that they have in their jobs and raising their families and so on. And the coaching life brings an entirely different perspective. It brings in a family environment around coaching and you're nurturing young people to be a part of a broader team experience. So it's not about the individual, but about the whole team. So The idea of being a teacher and role modeling myself after some great teachers that I had, including one that you know, Joe Shante, who helps guide the State Teachers Association for Technology. Great person. Great guy. Those are the types of people that I wanted to be like, right? So I think if you look back at my career, at least when I look back now, that focus, that DNA is because I still believe I'm a teacher. Even after I retire from Gateway, my Gateway legacy will be, I hope I was a good teacher and shared with others a perspective on life that helped bring others together, whether it's through industry partnerships or stronger curriculum, or just maybe being there for someone in a time of need. And that's why we've developed so many unique programs for our community, like promise programs and you know STEM education programs and community-based dialogues around diversity, equity, inclusion. So The teacher role is probably what I'm most proud of, and that will be sort of my mainstay. That was my North Star as I went through my career. Well, Brian, you say you hope you have been a great teacher. I take the word hope out of there. You have been a great teacher, you know, both in the classroom and in so many other ways as you've guided so many different lives, literally around the globe. I mean, all the different lives that you've managed to affect directly and indirectly. It's just it's just an incredible, incredible legacy. Uh, in as much as the teaching star may have been your North Star, you are a North Star to so many others. So thank you so much for that. The next question, as you look at your is, is it 19 years at Gateway? Is that how long that you've been at Gateway? Not, yeah, 19 at Gateway, 16 as a college president. Got it. 19 at Gateway, 16 as a president. So thinking back over those 16 years, 19 years, what's something you wish you would have done a little more of? Well, I have to tell you, when you're in a job like this, you're all in most of the time, right? So spent an awful lot of time, early mornings, late nights, meeting the community and then wouldn't trade it for anything. Those were all so essential and critical. I've enjoyed the key aspects of the job, which is watching students' success through graduation, commencement ceremonies, pinning ceremonies, all of those. You get to see the the light bulb has not only turned on, but it's shining very bright on that person and their families are all there. So that's a, a major highlight for me. Uh, developing new programs has been a major highlight. Uh, things change, right? Our communities change, the needs of employers change, and we have transformed so many programs here at Gateway and align them with some world-class facilities and labs. So I think that's a key element of our success as well. Building relationships in the community with elected officials so they understand their value proposition. We're funded by taxpayers, so we've got to make sure that those investments are highly recognized and that people see that their investment every year when they pay their tax bill is going to a good institution and being very transparent about all of that. So that's key for me. Some of the challenges that we faced um, all throughout all of this, one is to, you know, sometimes you're, they're out of your control. COVID was very hard on the educational system. It was hard on Gateway. We had to think differently about the way we interacted with each other and spending as much time as possible with our faculty and staff is something that I'm proud of, but I, I wish I would have been able to do more of that. You know, I have a lot of outreach responsibilities, so I'm in the community a lot, as you mentioned, traveling and representing the college. So you're not there every day, but I made an effort to be there as much as I I could. And if we had more time in a day, I would have spent even more time there. I think one perspective that we really focused in on at the college was to uh, build that relationship with our K-12 or it might be the feeder pipeline so that 
Parents are better educated. Students are better educated about their choices. And we've done some remarkable things. Over 7,000 high school students taking now dual enrollment for Gateway. But I would have loved to have spent more time with the parents of those kids and just find out what, what are the decision-making elements that, that you're thinking about so that we can better prepare you with information about the two-year technical college system and how you can leverage that to your own abilities. That would have been an area of, of growth for us. I would also suggest that we have some fantastic employer partners in this community, and we've reached out to a lot of the major ones that are iconic, the Haribos of the world, the SC Johnsons, the Snap-ons, the Kennel Manufacturing, Precision Plus. These are great companies, right? But there's twice as many, if not more, really small companies, the entrepreneurial businesses, the one and two person, the family startups. We do some of that, but I would have loved to, to do more. And I, I think that's the strength that Ritu will bring uh, to the college too. We can continue to grow upon those because we now have some strong foundations in other areas. So we will evolve as a college. And I know that some of those areas that could use additional support will receive it. Fantastic. So, you know, by the way, you've set the gold standard for faculty and staff engagement. You've set the gold standard for parental engagement. And you've set the gold standard for industrial engagement. When I ask you what's something you would do differently, you're like, I would do more of what I already set the gold standard at. So that's true, Brian Albrecht fashion. Let's turn that question upside down. If you had those 16, 19 years to do over again, Brian, what would you have done less of? Oh, I don't know that I would have done less of anything. I think, you know, when I look back in the career and I try to say, what are the things you want to be known for? One is I want to be known for a positive influence in the communities that we represented. So if Gateway is seen in a public light, it's seen in a positive way. So we did a lot on helping craft our message, our brand, our identity, the resources available and made those available for our community. So we brought community members into the college. That was an important aspect, being transparent and looked at as a high integrity organization led by a college president that had that same level of commitment. I think I would I would look at back at Gateway and say a cornerstone for continued growth. We're 111 years old, so there have been a lot of cornerstones at Gateway. I'm not the first president of this college, um, but every president has to put a new cornerstone in place and take the college to a new level. And I believe we've done that. I believe that we've reestablished Gateway as a critical aspect for the economic growth of Southeast Wisconsin. You see the continued expansion of industries in this area and have been fortunate to be able to be a part of many of those discussions as new corporations are just speculating, looking at property in this area, thinking about building, what's the talent pipeline, how do we engage, and Gateway's always been there, and we've been a part of that discussion and solution, which has been fantastic. And then, so the whole the whole region has benefited from that. And then the third thing I'd say is if I looked at sort of a legacy on all of this, what have we done to improve the lives of the citizens that we serve, i.e. the students and the, the staff that we have? Have we been a, an employer of, of choice? Have we been a college of choice for individuals coming to Gateway? And, and what has that meant for the growth of the region, not just Gateway, but our partners, the University of Wisconsin Parkside, Carthage, others? And we see an increased growth in higher education, an increased uh, value and need of higher education. And to me, you know, that's the ultimate goal because people hopefully are going to realize that to sustain their own livelihood, there's going to be some continuous learning. And it may be a baccalaureate degree, but it may be a short-term certificate. And how do we become the solution that cuts across all of those decisions that people are going to be making in their life? And we do that by offering a quality experience that has great value by all the partners. And in doing so, you certainly have become that solution. I just want to familiarize our, our listeners with this geographical area, if they're not familiar with, you know, where kind of Gateway sits in the in the state of Wisconsin and in the Midwest, if you think about a corridor between Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Chicago, Illinois, you know, Gateway is almost right in the middle, maybe a little closer to Milwaukee, but right in the middle, that corridor extending up to Oshkosh, Wisconsin has the largest concentration of advanced manufacturing and manufacturing, one of the largest in the world. I think the largest in the United States, certainly the largest concentration of certain types of manufacturing like metal fabrication and machining anywhere in the world. And if you think back 20 years, I'm somebody that grew up not too far from Gateway, geographically speaking. You know, 20, 30 years ago that there was, you drive down that corridor, there was there, you know, there was cheese stores uh, and those are great. We love those here in Wisconsin. Right. But there wasn't a ton between Milwaukee and Chicago. And now you drive through that corridor and it is distribution center after manufacturing facility. After, I mean, it's just incredible the development that has happened. And I, and I just want to dwell for a moment, Brian, on what you just said and, and being the catalyst for that. And, and I, I don't think I mean, that's certainly not patting yourself on the back. And for our listeners, um, that Gateway has been an absolute 
cornerstone for that growth in our part of the state? Because what do employers, and I was a manufacturing employer, what are the things that you look for when you're moving into a new environment? The first one when I was opening up a new plant was proximity to customers and proximity to suppliers. The second one was proximity to a workforce. And and that is just so very important. And probably now 10, 10 years later, maybe the most important item. And you have created a destination for those companies because of their confidence in you and in Gateway that you'll be able to produce that workforce of the future. Well, thank you. And Matt, you draw a great analogy. You're right. A few years ago, it might have been something like proximity to customers, or it might have even been incentives, you know, state incentives, and, you know, maybe it's green space, but today it's workforce. I can absolutely say that companies like Haribo, when they came here, we went to Germany to understand what the skill sets were and design curriculum that was going to match and align. Foxconn, same thing. We went to their facilities in Asia and really drew a perspective on what does advanced manufacturing look like for service mount technology and how do we build capacity. And Amazon, we've got a training lab inside of Amazon, Uline, and you can go up and down the corridor and see the global companies that have left a footprint or are creating a footprint in Southeast Wisconsin. And the key to that is to have a workforce that can readily adapt to those skills and and evolve with the changes of their company because it is all moving so very fast. And Gateway is, you know, like I mentioned, we've been here for a long time. So we have skill sets that cut across so many different platforms from traditional apprenticeship and tool and die. So industry, you know, maybe 2.0 to industry 3.0, biggest manufacturing and CNC operations come out of training, comes out of Gateway Technical College, all the way to advanced manufacturing, automation, robotics, smart technologies. We offer all of those different platforms so we can we can meet the needs of a variety of different industries, but they all continue to build on each other. That gives us a chance to support small business, medium business, and of course, global businesses that are uh, changing rapidly. So that's an exciting part of the work that we do here. Exciting indeed. In the process of creating that incredible workforce that you have, Brian, have you gone back and done the math to see how many students have come through Gateway during your tenure as president? Yeah, that's an interesting statistic. We had a little retirement party here and uh, one of our student graduates uh, drew that analogy. It's about 50,000 uh, diplomas and certificates that I've handed out. So it's a lot of people. It's like a small town all by itself, but that's a lot of handshaking. I'll say that. That's one perspective because those are the ones that have gone all the way through. We do an awful lot of customized training and short-term certificate-based training that often is encountered. So no doubt in my mind, it's well over 100,000 people that have been influenced in the last uh, decade and a half. And probably even more when you think about you know, what is the benefit of someone coming into a job with a higher skill set and the people they work with? How do they evolve and change? So there's always going to be that, as you say, butterfly effect with anyone that comes through our programs. But I also just want to share that traditional models of education, which um, are important and will continue to be a sort of a mainstay, are not the only way we deliver education nowadays, right? So we have great partnerships with the Department of Corrections. We're doing some customized training, cohort training for individuals that are incarcerated on campus and off campus. We have mobile training units that we take to employers and deliver it on site at two in the morning, if that's the requirement. We have hybrid programs where students can come and learn as their shift ends. Uh, All kinds of varying ways in which we offer the educational programs, um, specifically because our goal and our intent is to make sure that individuals leave our college with the academic credentials to be able to carry their education forward equal to the skills that they have to do the job today. So we're going to give you the skills to do the job today, but the education platform to know that tomorrow your skills are changed. So how do you evolve yourself to get to that next level? So lifelong learning. So lifelong learning for sure. You know, you're you're just a couple of working days left before you're done as the president of the college and you are still its biggest cheerleader and its biggest advocate. I don't know that that'll ever die in you, Brian, your ability to get people excited about what's happening in Gateway and think about the future. Yeah, man, I can tell you that it was my seventh grade track coach, uh, Mr. Eddie Hammer taught us that uh, what you do is you run through the finish line. You don't run to the finish line and because that'll cause you to slow down at the very end. So run through. So I'll still be talking about Gateway well beyond January 5th or 6th because I'm going to run right through it and make sure that everyone knows that uh, this race is not over. <laughs> we we have no doubt about that. So as you think about the, you know, the 50,000 degrees, the 100,000 perhaps people who have, have been affected or, or experienced the amazing magic of learning at Gateway over the course of your career, I'm sure there's dozens and dozens and dozens of students that would stand out to you. But is there one in particular, Brian, you'd like to highlight as an example of what Gateway is, is capable of doing? There are so many. And I would encourage people to go to the Gateway website. You can hear the, and read the testimonials. There's videos. You can see them too. But 
you know, Megan Barr, who spoke at my uh, retirement party, Megan is just such a, a strong champion for us here at Gateway. She was our very, she was an ambassador for the college. Her story, she would tell you, and she'd be okay that uh, high school was not easy for her, didn't know where her life's path would be. And she ended up at Gateway and uh, became a student ambassador, ultimately a um, trustee for the college. So our first student trustee here at Gateway, and then was appointed by Governor Evers to serve on the Wisconsin Technical College State Board. That was a big honor. First student we've ever had at that level. Uh, since then, she's now a student transfer student at UW Parkside, continues to be a strong advocate for the transfer role, and she's been representing uh, community and technical colleges and now universities in Washington on many different occasions to uh, advocate for the role that we all play in helping build and sustaining lives. So that's just one. I look at Zaida Hernandez Ierson, who is a current trustee for Gateway, was a student here, took the GED, English Language Learning Program, went on to receive a certificate-based program, went on to receive her associate degree in engineering, transferred those credits to the Milwaukee School of Engineering, was uh, classified as NBC's Young Woman Engineer, had a feature done for her in Washington, D.C., is serving as a trustee for Gateway Technical College. And this last year was elected the chairperson for the National Association of Community College Trustees for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. So those two women alone have written a book on the life story of technical and community colleges. And you can go down the list of some really amazing individuals that are now leading companies and, you know, just providing great support and community. And and I don't even touch, man, on the role that we play in providing first responder services. So our nurses, our firefighters, our police officers, our EMTs, let's always remember that the strength of our community is based on the health of our individuals that we serve. So when communities are in most need, whether it's individual family structure or an entire community, who are the first ones to go out there? They're all our protective services and first responders, and they're trained right here at Gateway Technical College and other technical and community colleges around the nation. So high respect for those uh, individuals that go into those challenging occupations. Yeah, thank goodness for those folks and their bravery and their willingness to train toward that day when eventually one of us will all need somebody like that, to, to right. whether it's to save our lives, to save our homes, to make sure that we're working in safe communities. So very important. I also appreciate the two students that you highlighted, Brian. I know Zaida and, and Megan both. Um, you know, the one the one part of uh, Megan's story that I think you're probably too modest to tell is and I happened to be at that retirement party where she spoke and it was uh, an incredibly emotional presentation that she delivered. She is going to UW Parkside. And if I'm correct, studying to be an educational administrator of some sort and and frankly, inspired by you in your career, I'm sure among others, but pointed out at her at your retirement party, what a huge inspiration that you were to her in setting her career on that in that trajectory. And amongst all the other accolades that you listed that, that Megan is certainly uh, should be very proud of, uh, you should be very proud of the inspiration that you were to Megan. I think for for any one of us, right, no matter what career path you're in, uh, the biggest the biggest legacy you can leave is to have someone follow in those footsteps and desire to be sort of like you. And you mentioned it when we first started the idea of a mentor. And I mentioned Joe Shante, one of my mentors. I wanted to be like Joe. And and so I'm just so honored that Megan and, and hopefully there will be others, too. I know that many of the students that I had um, when I started teaching in Kiwani went on to become educators. And so that that perspective of striving to be like someone, you know, set a goal and then uh, she gets all the credit, though. Then you have to work really hard, right? She took all the classes. She did all the studying. She's the one that put herself out there and took risks. And uh, that's that's the key, I think, is to find yourself confidence. And I were going to answer that very first question you said, what's something you learned about yourself, you know, when you're age 14? It would be have confidence in yourself and uh, be willing to challenge yourself to take risks because it's easy not to take a risk. It's hard to take a risk. But if you don't take a risk, you never know what the opportunity is going to be uh, for you out there. Absolutely. We're, you know, I, I think about every once in a while people ask me the same question as if you had advice for your 16 year old you and it's very similar to yours. It was like mine was always, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you as long as you know you're doing the right thing kind of ties back to the whole confidence thing and believe in yourself and believe in your future and then be willing to do the work because you're right. It doesn't happen on cruise control. You got to you got to put that effort in. Part of you putting so much effort in was was attending all of these events and it didn't matter. I mean, <laughs> it, it seemed like I was getting a, and still do get an invitation to one gateway event or another a couple times a week. I could have a full time job. It feels like going to all the great things that are happening at Gateway and to Gateway for that matter. If you think about all those events, Brian, is there a favorite one every year that you're like, wow, I would just never miss that one. That was my absolute favorite event to attend a gateway. 
Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I, I I tried not to miss events. I mean, I really wanted to be there because, like I mentioned earlier, that's when you get to see all the shining lights come forward, right? The students that have put in so much effort, they might have been working part time, raising a family, and you know, it's just been a struggle to get there, and they finally made it. And you want to be a part of that celebration. But there are some highlighted ones that I think just really draw your emotional experience. One of them, as I mentioned, the Department of Corrections graduations, these are individuals that had some real challenges in life and maybe didn't see a lot of success and to know that they now are proud of themselves and have accomplished a goal that that they can better their lives and support their families uh, differently. And it'll change the complete trajectory of themselves and their whole family structure. That's a huge event for us. Similar to the GED and HSED individuals that maybe have, you know, didn't for some reason finish their high school diploma. So they're, you know, in their 40s or 50s or maybe even later, and they just made that personal commitment to better themselves by getting a high school diploma. And you see the pride that they did it and they do it for themselves, but they, most of them do it for their grandchildren or their own children. They want to be a better role model. And that to me is like, wow, you're really giving and sacrificing a lot of that time and effort and studying and so on and stress to take an exam to get through that. So that's a, a cool one. The nurse pinning ceremonies, if no, if you're listening, you've never been to a pinning ceremony. It's very emotional because nursing is a very demanding career path. And when you get through all of that, you're awarded a special pin based on the institution that you graduate from. It's like a fraternity or a sorority type of thing that you've you've earned that level of recognition by your profession and you become a, a part of a much larger profession where they're going to back you. Your fellow nurses are going to back you in your career. And that's a really inspirational experience as well because our students are required to write a little thank you paragraph to those that help them along that way. That's cool. And then I'll just end with this one here. Um, just overall commencement ceremonies, and we have a lot of them at the college, but when you see a field house full of 3,000 people, family members, and so on, and it's all decked out in the, you know, the, all of the colors and the all the, the different symbolisms that you have for commencement, and, and me personally, I get to wear the big heavy robe with a little medallion and, you know, kind of say, you have now completed your degree, and on behalf of the state of Wisconsin, I confer, and all the kids are screaming and everything. There's such an energy flow that goes through here to go like, wow, that was cool to be a part of that, right? And I know that each one of them have done all the work, and all I have to do is say that I confer, and the place erupts. And I think those are some some emotional uh, experiences that I'll always remember, and some that I think are very symbolic of, of, of uh, the educational institution. Well, and I'll point out that in true Brian Albrecht fashion, every single one of those was about somebody other than Brian. So it was never about something honoring you. It was about, you know, how are we taking these uh, individuals who have been involved in corrections and put them on a new trajectory? Uh, the GED ceremony, I had an aunt that earned her GED when she was in her early 70s. And um, and and we were all we all went to Southwest Minnesota for the party to to celebrate her quote graduation party. It was one of the most one of the coolest events that I think I've ever ever been involved in. Certainly the nurse pinning ceremony, and I've never attended one, but I've certainly read about them. Um, and Gate Gateway social media posts, your social media posts. I know that's incredibly uh, incredibly emotional. And then thinking about these, you know, fifty thousand people that have gone through commencement that you've said I'd confer, I confer to fifty thousand other people in the and the joy in the futures that you brought to those individuals. So every single one of those about somebody else and about their joy and about their future. And on the topic of joy and on the topic of future, I want to dig a little bit deeper into Brian Albrecht's future. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you were a little more specific about your future. Obviously, I'm still looking forward to serving with you on the National Soccer Board too, Smart Automation Certification Alliance. You accepted that invitation about six months ago. So we're looking forward to the future there. But let's talk a little bit more about, yeah, I get the sense this isn't the end for you. And whether it's volunteering or something else comes, you're still you know, in in the whole scope of time, a, a relatively, in fact, quite a young individual with a with a long, long runway ahead of you to kind of take the blue sky uh, analogy from earlier in the discussion. So, I mean, if we were to to look a few years into the future, Brian, I mean, is is it maybe something at the federal level, Department of Education, something at the state level? Would you ever consider running another institution and 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 continuing to do these amazing things that I can tell you still have a tremendous amount of energy for? Yeah, well, you never want to say no, right? Because otherwise I wouldn't be true to my original uh, recommendation for young people and that, you know, look for the opportunity and have confidence. So I, I already have shared my perspective with some folks at the Department of Education. I will do whatever I can to help support and engage 
our states in building a stronger national platform for education. I want to do that. We want to look at how do we leverage some of the federal legislation, whether it's new legislation or existing legislation like the Carl Perkins Act, and really do some deep dive analysis. How do we expand that into short-term Pell and certificate-based programs and really elevate the visibility of that conversation? So I, I love that kind of work. I do want to help continue to support uh, Gateway and the Wisconsin Technical Colleges in uh, providing guidance and support for, you know, the experiences that I've had and how the next step, how do you build more capacity for employer alignment in other regions of the state and other regions of the country? That's a key aspect. I do believe there's also room, and I, I'm going to be working on this a little bit, some ongoing professional development for I'll say upper administrative individuals in community and technical colleges. There's such a, a need for college presidents and vice presidents that any sort of leadership professional development, whether it's in partnership with the American Association of Community Colleges or we do something totally different, I think if we can help individuals gain the skills through concentrated professional development, they'll have a much shorter startup when they become a college president. And Matt, you know this, and I've shared it, I think, a couple of times on different programs, but the average tenure for a college president is four and a half years, right? So by the time you learn your community and your own institution, you're already moving on to something else. So sustaining growth in an institution is really hard in that short of a window. We've been very fortunate for 16 years to have a, uh, the leadership team we have and that, you know, not just me, but the group that we have here. So we can see change as a result of being able to sustain that leadership. So if we can build that capacity earlier on in the first couple of years, maybe individuals stay longer, but at least we can be a quicker startup for, for the educational institutions and kind of gets at the old adage that, um, you know, it takes a long time to move uh, education, right? right. Whether it's two-year or four-year, we I think we can shorten that in some ways. So maybe do some writing, maybe do some more podcasts, but more importantly, to uh, support the structure of the institutions we have and try to shorten the uh, time frame for it for a valuable change in those institutions. One of the adages I heard was that uh, change happens in education, one retirement at a time. In your case, it's it's going to be positive change looking to the future. Um, it, it is interesting that you mentioned that the average tenure for a college president, four and a half years. Leadership is tough. You know, I, I was early on in my career, I was chief executive of what ended up being the largest contract metal finishing operation in the United States. This goes back some 20 years. And um, one of the things that was most interesting, I was the seventh chief executive of that company in eight years, seventh in eight years. And it had ground through a chief executive every year for seven years. And just looking back on that and seeing how tough it is for an institution to get its traction and to create sustainability without leaders that are committed to being there for a longer period of time, in your case, 16 years as president, 19 years with the institution. I remember my years and my days in the in tech, the executive committee now called Vistage, where we would get together with other executives of other companies. And, you know, they say it's lonely at the top or whatever. You That was your opportunity to sit down and share things that you could never share uh, when you're sitting around a table of your your staff at, at the at the plant or what have you. Sounds like maybe something similar for uh, for college presidents. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. And I think it's not just uh, college presidents, but look at the turnover in school principals, high school, middle school, or superintendents. And you just imagine the amount of pressure that those individuals are on and they're trying to do the best they can. They've been well-trained and well-prepared. They've gone to a lot of schooling, you know, they've got their doctor degrees and so on. And yet you've got communities that, you know, just change the trajectory by saying, we don't like you anymore. Something happens and, you know, you're the focal point for it. And it's the same at the college level. You know, every college operates a little different, but we have a board of trustees. They provide governance and you've got to be responsive to all kinds of constituency groups, elected officials, taxpayers, students, you know, those all have investments in the institution. And you're trying to balance that and balance it in a way that everyone's going to feel like they're getting some some win out of it. And it's it's a difficult challenge. So it is an all-in game. Uh, it is not something that you can just go to the job and then go home. You are always representing the college, no matter where Brian Albrick is, Gateway is there. So I'm careful at the grocery stores. I'm careful at community events, uh, making sure that I say hello to folks at the gas station, because you're the symbol of what the brand is for that institution. And uh, you carry that very, very esteemly. And you got to be proud of that. And you've got to want to be able to carry that brand. So you can't say I'm off the clock. You're, you, you may not be at work or in the office, but you're never off the clock. 
For about a year after I graduated from college, I was the special assistant to the Milwaukee County Executive, David F. Schultz, back at that time. And he told me exactly the same thing. He said, it doesn't matter where I go. I'm always the county executive. It's not like I punch a clock at five o'clock and don't have to worry about it until the next morning. Same thing with being a college president. And I can tell our listeners, having spent time with you in Kenosha County, Racine County, Walworth County, I mean, you are a you're a regional celebrity in that area. And as much as you have a national presence in uh, CTE, you're a, you're a celebrity in, in Southeast Wisconsin, uh, in huge part because all the great things that you've done at Gateway. Brian, you've been a mentor to so many, and I know that you have had your mentors as well. You mentioned one of them, Joe Shante, uh, who, as you suggest, I know well, and what a, what a perfect individual, just a huge, huge heart, a great demeanor, a great way of going about the work that he did. A little bit later in your career, these last 15 to 20 years, have you had other mentors that have helped shape who you are? Absolutely. I think there are kind of, for me, there have been stages in my career. So of course, Joe, I mean, early on helping create the influence to go on to education and get a degree. Uh, He was my high school teacher, but then you get off to college and you develop another cohort of mentors, you know, Len Sterry and Lee Smalley up at UW-Stout and still today, Carol Mooney up at UW-Stout. And there's just some great people there that have helped influence my life and honored to be called back to the university a few months ago for an alumni event. And it was really inspirational for me to be back on campus. So those people have always guided and directed me. And then then you get into your career life, right? So you're at me, I was at a high school and we had some amazing people that I worked with. Coach Bobby Orr taught me an awful lot about being a good coach. You know, that was important for me and some great community-based leadership, which helped me understand the role that we and can help inspire our students to be involved in the community along with their educational. From there, I moved on to the Department of Public Instruction. I worked for some Great leaders, you know, Bert Grover, state superintendent, and John Benson, state superintendent, Libby Burmaster. And then um, most recently, uh, uh, Governor Tony Evers was the state superintendent at the time. He was my direct supervisor as a division administrator. So I've been, I've had some people that have been able to create larger spheres of influence that I could observe and monitor and watch. And of course, when I came to Gateway, I mean, it just becomes so important because it's a it's a local influence that you have. So Fisk Johnson, the president, CEO, chairman of SC Johnson, Nick Pinchuk, the CEO for Snap-on Incorporated. These are influencers that not only drew a perspective of what it's like to be in a community, but how do you create a global influence? And they certainly have done that through their corporate leadership. So there's many people that have helped share their values and experiences from students all the way to corporate CEOs. And I've been honored to be a part of that whole process. And uh, along the way, you know, picked up different perspectives on how to lead. So you pick up perspectives on leading within, you know, educational environment, uh, service for communities. That was a new perspective, bring that all together. And then corporate decision-making, how do you value the business proposition? Because education is a business. <laughs> we've got to keep, we've got to meet our budget every year, just like everyone else does. Um, so you, you gain different elements of success from all those different people. And that helps shape who you are. A great group of people that have influenced you over over the years. A couple of them, by the way, what we call Tech Ed Podcast Alumni Circle members. Um, Nick Pinchuk joined us. Um, thanks to you, actually. I think it was back in uh, February or March of 2021, just as we were getting things off the ground. You were one of the first guests. And right. Nick was not too long after you. And certainly uh, Governor Tony Evers joined us uh, earlier this year here in 2021, but your 2022, rather, it'll be 2023 by the time folks hear this. But uh, Governor Evers was a phenomenal guest. So we we managed a couple of those. We'll take Fisk Johnson, too. If uh, Fisk is listening, um, yeah. you know, amazing leader of SC Johnson, would love to have Fisk join us sometime. Well, and Matt, you know, our friend um, Ron Wanak, he called me last week to wish me congratulations on the retirement, you know, chairman, CEO, founder of Ashley Furniture. And Super. so that, that just doesn't happen by chance where very busy people with very high level executive experience take time out of their day to call you to say, hey, congratulations, you did a nice job, right? So I'm really proud of the fact that we have this network and and it's all, like I said, it's it's um, the every child's place, the daycare on campus, their level of support and learning from that all the way to the corporate CEO and how do you influence uh, a new training program in Morocco, right? right. <laughs> so we've been able to, to span that whole spectrum and, and build bridges between all those organizations as well. So including yourself, Matt, I do want to make sure that everyone knows that you've been a great friend and mentor. You helped conceptualize what advanced manufacturing should look like for Gateway and in turn, 
for the nation. Schools all over the country come and look at that. They model it and they replicate it. And we're seeing great progress in automated manufacturing systems across the country. Well, we are proud of that. I mean, it's certainly, and you're exactly right. It's amazing how many folks want to come and see the amazing things that you've managed to do. And your team has managed to do at Gateway, creating you know, really the leading industry 4.0 learning center anywhere in the world. And you continue to have great people like David Aguirre who are innovating down there every single day. I, it's just, that's been an incredible journey. Thank you for those kind words, but you know, whatever I've managed to teach anybody else pales in comparison from what I've learned from, from you and from your team, Brian. So, so thank you so very much. You know, we, we think about folks like Ron Wanick and, and, you know, somebody might say, well, why is it that somebody that's that important and that powerful, the you know, the chairman and the founder of the largest furniture manufacturer in the world, you know, sitting with his name on the Forbes 400 would take the time to make a phone call like that? And what I would respond is that is how that person became that successful was that they cared enough about other people and what other people were doing that uh, you said earlier, it takes a village. You have to have a whole group of people behind you. So many of these people have managed to create that group of people behind them and supporting them. And, and who among us wouldn't do something great for Ron Wanick for all the great things that he's done. He's done certainly for our organization and for, for Gateway as well. We've got just a few short minutes and I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time, Brian. A couple more questions I have. What are you going to miss most about Gateway? You know, when, uh -huh. when January 5th comes and you go out the door, what are you going to miss most? You know, it's a, it's a great perspective because I've been thinking about that and I will miss the campus life experience. There's something about being on a college campus where you just naturally get energy from it. You see the parking lots and the cars moving and people in the bookstores and, you know, you get a, a sense of spirit around it. And I think that's why so many people that have graduated college carry that alumni value with them, right? They wear their sweatshirts and they go to the games. And so it, that sense of community, that sense of energy around that community, I'm going to miss that an awful lot. I'm going to miss the opportunity to, to watch Gateway grow and flourish. We've done a lot, and I'm very proud of that, but I just know there's so much more to do, and I know what's on the kind of the sketch pad for our community, so I'm excited about some new developments at the high school level, which will mean great things for Gateway. We've got our three-year plan, which includes an expansion of one of our campuses, and I won't directly be here to, to observe that, but I just know that those are all really great things that people will rally around uh, for that and then I think the last thing that I'll probably miss uh, even more than all of that is the daily interaction of the people. And I say this with all sincerity. I know a lot of people say that, but you end up spending more time at work sometimes than you do outside of work with your own family. And while I'm going to get to do more with my family now for the last 16 years, um, everyone here, they're the ones that I get up in the morning and have lunch with and in the afternoon and, you know, go to these events in the community with. So that sort of family relationship with all of the people that I've had here and literally uh, thousands of them because we have a thousand employees each year and we turn over several. So you've got a couple hundred new people. So you're always bringing new people into the family and you're keeping those that have retired as part of the family too. So uh, I'm optimistic that we'll be able to stay in touch, but I'm also realistic to know that in life, <laughs> when you retire and move away, you're less likely to stay connected and and I uh, have that personal relationship with people. So I, I realize that. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, we certainly certainly appreciate the fact that you're going to miss those personal relationships as you create new ones and move forward and whatever comes next with, for Brian Albrecht. I have one more question, Brian. It's a two-part question, okay. and that is reflecting on the last 38 years and then kind of looking forward to the future. What's the biggest way that career technical education has changed in your mind over the course of your career so far? And then if we fast forward 10, 15 years, how is it going to change in that period of time? Yeah, absolutely. So that is a great question. I can tell you a few things that have evolved since I've been involved. One certainly is the technology platforms. They're they're very different today. I mean, pick a topic area, agriculture or family sciences or technology education. Those platforms of basic entry-level drafting and design are computed automated systems. Now, manufacturing machine tool is you know smart building systems, and it's a very different environment now. So I think the platforms of CTE are important. Along with that, parallel is the recognition of the level of knowledge and skill you have to have to do those jobs. And I think anyone listening that does not do this for a daily lifestyle, if you call a technician to fix your HVAC unit or your plumbing system or, you know, you know, pick, pick a topic in your home, 
or more or less pick a topic in your car, the average citizen has no idea how those systems work, right? A technician needs to know them all and all very well. And on top of that, the computer systems to collect that information and data to make an informed decision to be able to repair it efficiently, effectively, and safely. Who knew that my car yesterday, because we have a little ice out here, the windshield sent a message, the windshield is not clear enough to drive. The windshield knew it was not safe to drive, right? So there are so many technological advances that a technician needs to know to properly protect you as an average citizen or consumer. So that technology platform is driving. Um, to make all of that happen, it's been a big transformation. And I think 10 years from now, it'll even be better. The understanding of the value of those skill sets. So you see the economic conditions of technicians and the pay skills going way up. When's the last time you hired a plumber, right? It's going to cost you 125 bucks an hour. <laughs> so, so if you watch the recognition of value and then the inspiration that goes behind to say, that might be something for my child to consider doing. So we're seeing a little shift in the way people approach uh, career and technical careers. You know, it was at one time, that's the job that you can't do if you can't go to college. Well, let me tell you what, if you do this job, you'll not only be able to go to college, you'll send your kids and someone else's kids to college because you have the financial capacity to do it. So I think that value is really changing, which is changing the, the message and the image, the stigmatism of career and technical education. At our college, we see it most reflective in our programs and our facilities by the enrollment. And then, of course, the lab experience. If you went to one of our labs, you would see world-class surgical tech labs, world-class veterinary technician labs, world-class manufacturing labs. The types of things that you would encourage your children to participate in are now available in our schools. So I think that's tremendous as well. So th there's a couple of glitches in all of that comment too, Matt. One would be to sustain that we need highly educated teachers. So we've got to do a great job connecting with our university teacher education programs to make sure we have individuals with right skills. Your organization and many others are providing professional development to help shorten that educational learning for our teachers. That's key for us. And then you mirror that with the general skilled worker shortage in the education realm. So if we don't have middle school teachers and we don't have high school teachers, how are we going to get students interested in college? And we don't have college teachers. How are we going to make sure that students have the skills to get the job? So there's a whole lot of work that still needs to be done um, 10 years from now. But we've already started, right? We know what the platforms are. We see the changes in the technologies based on the industries. We know that we can create a more positive message because the economy is making us realize better what's essential and how we're going to pay for that. And then we also know that there is a talent pool in the education market that can continue to be expanded. And if we do, you know some of these people, highly qualified teachers that have skill sets in these new platforms. Well, they're really they're really dynamic and they can really inspire young people to do amazing to do amazing things. Lots and lots of reason for optimism as we look forward. I, I love the reflection on the changing perception, if you will, of, of careers in the skilled trades, careers working with your hands, careers in manufacturing, careers in so many different endeavors. Uh, we had Ken Rusk on, uh, author of Blue Collar Cash not too long ago. It's just a great discussion about how the perception of those careers is changing, needs to continue to change. We still have a long way to go. We have to convince a lot of parents. We have to show people that these types of careers not only aren't the consolation prize, but may end up trumping every other career choice that people can make as they look to the future. The role of technology in upskilling and training that next generation, whatever it is, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in public safety, whether it's in manufacturing, all these different endeavors, really important. And you touch on another thing that's really near and dear to our heart here at the Tech Ed Podcast, Brian which is that shortage of teachers, especially in CTE. I mean, across the platform, is you know it's just incredible how many opportunities are available in the world of education. But without those individuals to inspire that next generation in the way that you've been inspired uh, and in the way that you've inspired so many others, uh, the, the future maybe is a little bleak. So we have to get more and more people interested in understanding of the great opportunities yeah. in teaching career technical education as we inspire the next generation. You bet. I, I try to remind our community, um, just observe your own life, right? So when you get up in the morning, observe how you live your day. So you get in a car that's probably remote start and it's got smart sensing technology all over it. And you end up going to the gas station to get a cup of coffee and it's probably a, um, a you know, personless autonomous teller, right? It automatically deducts it from your bank account or you hold your phone up to something and it automatically deducts. And, you know, you end up going, uh, you know, to, to do your work, whatever it might be. And there's going to be some level of influence that is 
changing the way that you think about the work that you do. And that influences the life that you lead, right? Where do we get our news media from and all the platforms? How do the streetlights come on all by themselves, right? Someone has to do that work. And all of that's happening behind the scenes and our communities are driven by technically skilled people that are providing all of those support systems to allow you to get that cup of coffee, to get to work safely, and to have the, the streetlights turn on. And that's an amazing uh, perspective when you just observe your own life during the day and say, what if that didn't happen? How would I go about doing that? Observe your own life and see how technology and the people behind that technology and the people behind that innovation and the people applying that technology make such a huge difference in our lives. We spent some time observing the life of Brian Albrecht today from his time as president at Gateway Technical College, the, the mentors that have influenced him over the years, mentors that influenced him when he was younger, what he's going to do in the future. Yes, he's going to spend tremendous time with his family and relax a little bit, but we're pretty certain that this isn't the end of the road for Brian. We're going to see him back around again. Who knows, Brian, maybe five, 10 years into the future, we invite onto the Tech Ed Podcast, Secretary of Education, Brian Albrecht. I don't know, <laughs> but we, whatever it is and wherever you end up and whatever you do, you are always welcome here. And I know this isn't the end. Thanks so much for being with us. You're very welcome, Matt. And if that ever happens, you'll be my first interview. I promise. But <laughs> awesome. I We're going to hold you to that. Yeah, just in, in summary to all the audience and, of course, to you personally and your team there, um, thank you for doing this. The Tech Ed podcasts are so important. It helps get a message across, an inspirational message for many teachers to say that we trust you, we value you, and we're proud of you. And uh, that that's the important message that I wanted to share today. And I think uh, they're all doing some amazing work and changing lives for individuals. For Brian Albrecht, it's never about Brian. It's always about everybody else. And we appreciate those kind words. We are going to leave it there. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tech Ed Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe, leave a review, and if you like this episode, share it with a friend. New episodes launch every Tuesday, so listen in next week.